Well, good morning, Orangewood. Um, remain standing. We stand out of the reminder that it is God's word as an authority and a power over our lives. Out of reverence, we stand to receive his words again to us today. And so if you have a Bible, our blessed notebook, your device, or on the screen behind me, you can follow along as I read from Matthew 5 and Jesus's invitation to the good life. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? So gracious Father, remind us that you are here. Remind us that you are with us. Holy Spirit, use these weak, feeble words for your power to work in our lives and in our stories and to bring hope again this morning of Jesus and what he has accomplished in his death and his resurrection and that we are never alone with him. We pray this in his name and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, If you're a guest with us, I am really glad you are here. We have been in a sermon series looking at Jesus's invitation of who has the good life, uh, who is well off in this world, who is truly blessed. And what we see is that Jesus's answer in the first century was very different than what they were hearing And we find ourselves today, Jesus's answer is very different from what we will hear in our present city of Orlando. Jesus put it this way in the Beatitudes. He said this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Because Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived, he knows how to tap into the core questions, the core experiences of every person and what they have been asking since the beginning of time. Here is what Jesus knows about you and me and every person who has ever lived. We are filled with longing. We are filled with longing. He knows that inside of each and every one of us, there is an ache an ache and a longing for more of a satisfied life. And he knows that we have been searching to solve that longing, that we've been searching to solve that ache in many, many different ways. And he would want you today to hear him out as he would invite you to follow him to solve that ache. Three things he wanted you to listen for. 
uh, our need, our way, and our promise. So let's look first at our need. Jesus tells us that we have a need, that we have a longing in us. In our passage, it says we have a hunger and a thirst. Uh, that, that what the ancient writers, through many, many different means, said there is this unquenchable fire in us, a restlessness in our souls, an ache. Uh, author Larry Crabb put it this way, quote, beneath the surface of everyone's life is an ache that will not go away. It can be ignored, disguised, mislabeled, or submerged by a torrent of activity, but it will not disappear. And for good reason. We were designed to enjoy a better world than this, end quote. Buried in every person is a longing, an ache, and a restlessness to make sense of this life. Why? Why is that there? And maybe you're here and you, you just, you, you, you struggle to get on board with the Christian story. You, you struggle to believe, but behind the Christian reality, the story of reality is this idea of a fall. And, and, and since that fall, we've lived, humanity has lived with this idea of a homelessness. Uh, we, we've lived with a sense of alienation. A sense that things are not as they should be. There's a collective sense that every one of us feels, to quote the great Bruce Springsteen, everybody, everybody has a hungry heart. And the Bible says that is the human condition since the beginning of time from the fall. There is a restlessness that we carry. We feel a hunger and thirst. The teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes, my favorite book, by the way, the teacher in Ecclesiastes that tells us why there is that hunger and thirst in you and in me. And he says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in man's heart. And man there is humanity. Eternity in humanity's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. How many of you here today are notorious for losing your cell phone or iPhone? Anyone willing to admit, yeah, you just, you, you lose it all and, and you, you lose the iPhone and then you're always wondering, okay, where, where did I put that thing? Where did I, you know, for something so essential to our day-to-day -day life, it's amazing how quick we misplace that thing everywhere. And, and you're asking a, a spouse or a, a roommate, or you're asking your, your kids when you get desperate, hey, do you, have you seen my phone? And, uh, there, I confess there's an app that I've come back to over and over again that when I've misplaced my phone called Find My iPhone. Anyone ever use this app? Find My iPhone. And uh, in this app, what I do is I'll go on there and I confess I've used it way too many times and I go on and I can see, okay, I, I didn't lose, leave it at Jimmy John's. Um, it, it's not at the coffee shop. And then if you can find that it's in your house, that, okay, it's here, it's somewhere, maybe buried under the covers. I don't know where it is. You can actually press a button that says play a sound. 
And then it'll just keep playing this ringing sound. And I confess, I've used that ringing way too often. One time, I will confess, I played the sound and found the phone was actually sitting right next to me. <laughs> Friends, God has put that same tracking, honing device in each and every person here. He wants you to be found. He wants you to come home because that's your need. Our longing is that we have eternity in our hearts calling us to something greater in our lives. We've all asked ourselves at some point, there must be more to life than this. And maybe you watched the news this week with Hurricane Ian and you're watching uh, either on the news or you saw firsthand and we, we find ourselves saying, life should not be this way. This is God's call for us to come back to himself. And that is why Jesus wants every person to acknowledge their hunger and thirst this morning. You have a need, friends, and it's buried in you by God For you to know that eternity is there and there's only one place for it to be solved. There is a quest in us for ultimate happiness and fulfillment. I read an article one time about in New York City, uh, at different times you will find 8 million cats and 11 million dogs residing in New York City. I I want no part of that, but that's what happens in New York City. And... um, with so much concrete and steel in New York City, you, you just can't, like after your pet dies, you can't just go out back and bury it in the yard. There's, there's not a lot of places for it. So you have to call the city. The city will come for a $50 fee and they will take your deceased pet and, and discard it and bury it. And um, there was a woman, this article is talking about, she uh, decided, well, gosh, that seems expensive. I will offer my service and offer a cheaper price. So this lady would go to uh, the local Salvation Army. She would buy an old small suitcase um, for $2. And then she put it, put out a thing in the newspaper, tells you how old the, the article is, put out a, an ad in the newspaper and said, Hey, if you need this service, I'm glad and happy to come meet you in New York city. So uh, she would offer that service. She'd, she'd pick up the deceased animal. And then uh, at this time in New York city, crime was really bad. And so she would go and ride on the subway where there were lots of thieves and robbers. And she would leave this uh, old suitcase laying there uh, and just kind of look off, not knowing uh, what's happening. And then a thief would come and grab the suitcase and take off running with this deceased pet inside. And she'd go, oh, wait, wait, stop, stop. Somebody help. Oh, my goodness. And you have to imagine that scene, right? This thief takes off what he thinks will bring him happiness only to open this bag and there being this, this dead pet in there. And for how many of us, that is our life. Uh, That for many ways, we are New York City thieves rushing off what we think will bring us happiness only to find once we open it, it does not deliver and actually it smells. This is the famous story of the tennis star Chris Everett. Chris was a phenomenal tennis player through the 70s and 80s. Um, She had a hunger and a thirst to be the best. But listen to how she describes 
that season of her life looking back now, she said this, I had no idea who I was or what I could be away from tennis. I was depressed and afraid because so much of my life had been defined by my being a tennis champion. I was completely lost. Winning made me feel like I was somebody. It made me feel pretty. It was like being hooked on a drug. I needed the wins, the applause in order to have an identity. This, friends, has become the modern template for you to satisfy that need. it's, It's to plunge yourself into something promising you it will bring happiness only to find out later it stinks. And here's a way for you to know this morning your level of hunger and thirst. Do you find yourself at some place in your life looking to numb out? Um, It could be just scrolling social media for hours. Um, It it could be uh, watching Netflix in the dark uh, with blood, red shot eyes. Um, It could be alcohol. It could be pornography. Uh, It it could be a whole host of things, but there's just a sense of like, I just want to numb out so I don't have to feel this ache to quench the longing, to satisfy the ache. And then in the end, we just feel more empty. Like, oh, I thought this was going to make me happy, but it just created a greater sense of the ache. Uh, Rachel, my wife, uh, shared a song with me recently uh, that's kind of growing uh, momentum among particularly uh, younger generations, Generation Z, called Numb Little Bug by M. Byhold. Numb Little Bug. And I want to read the lyrics from it. Maybe you connect. She says this. Uh, Do you ever get a little bit tired of life? Like you're not really happy, but you don't want to die. Like you're hanging on by a thread, but you got to survive because you got to survive. Maybe this morning you're like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. There's, There's a hunger. There's a longing in us. There's a thirst I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread, but I just, I just got to survive. And God says, if you plunge your need anywhere else other than him, you will find unrelenting pressure to keep up. You will find a desperate emptiness and a sense of overwhelmed by life. You will find you're hanging on by a thread but you just got to survive because I got to survive. And it will not solve the ache. It won't quench the thirst. If you, if, you plunge, if you plunge your hunger and your thirst in your career, if you plunge it into beauty, uh, if you plunge it into others' approval, constantly trying to keep everyone happy in your life, if you plunge it into trying to be perfect, or control every situation that could come your way, it will feel like you are drinking water from a shot glass. It won't be enough to meet the thirst. And whatever we drink, your career, trying to be perfect, trying to find someone to marry, whatever it is, it is a shot glass 
reminding us it will not satisfy you. Just enough water to remind you that what you're currently doing isn't working. And here's what I know about myself, and maybe you know this, is this happens to me all the time. I return over and over again to things I know that will not work, but I return over and over again to them because it is things that I know. And that's our life. Steve Cuss is a former pastor, and he has a blog called Steve Cuss Words. That's clever. And Steve talks about we find ourselves at many points in our life living a life he calls the same old, same old. And God has given us clues that there is more to life than the one we are currently living. I I don't know if you've ever um, played hide and go seek, um, uh, but we in our household are now playing the opposite one where you send out one person to hide. Our family calls it sardines, but I know it goes by many different names. Um, so I don't mean to offend you if yours is a different name. Uh, but but we, you send out one person in this game, they go to hide. And in our house, it's not a very big house, so the games are over usually pretty quickly. Um, but when, when we send one person out and I'm going to find out, I'm looking for all those clues that are laid out there that where could they possibly be hiding? Um, okay, are, are the clothes moved off and they're not in their right place in the closet? Uh, 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 on the bed, are the, are the sheets, are they rising and falling with little kids breathing, right? God, Jesus, invites you this morning to see the clues in your life. Do you have a spiritually parched mouth? You are thirsty. Do you have a spiritually grumbling stomach? You are hungry. Jesus tells you today, if you will listen, I know the answer to your need. That brings us to our second point, our way. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for their career, for beauty, for a greater stock portfolio, for being liked by everyone. No, Jesus says, all of those will leave you more hungry. All those will leave you more thirsty. But Jesus says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When Jesus talks here about the way it is through righteousness, that is what will solve your longing. Righteousness that will speak to our hunger and our thirst. But what kind of righteousness is the question? You see, there are many different kinds of righteousness today because most people want to pursue righteousness. Most people are trying to answer this fundamental question of reality. How do I become a good person? And we have heard some people referred to as being self-righteous Maybe you've heard someone say that about, oh, I, I, it's not a term of dear. Oh, Tyler, he's so self-righteous. It's usually a negative. No one wants to be considered self-righteous. But today, especially in our great city, everyone, everyone is pressured to be socially righteous, to be culturally righteous. Everyone. 
Basically today, you and I are encouraged to receive a cultural way to righteousness, not based in absolutes, but based in social consensus. And there are massive issues with that. So let me give you the first one. Cultural righteousness is always shifting. It's always shifting. If we can agree that righteousness is connected with virtue and willing the good, then there is a righteousness that you find in our culture that is always shifting. Paul Miller wrote a a recent book called The J-Curve. I commend it to you. But in the book, he says, what we find in our culture today is this sense of feelism. What, what, What I feel Uh, determines what is right. And I'll just give you a quick, quick, just snapshot of how cultural righteousness is shifting, okay? Um, I turned on my TV uh, a couple weeks ago and it pops on and it, and it comes to f- the, the free TV channels that are available, uh, which shows you like 1970s game shows and old uh, 80s sitcoms, right? You know, it's like what's available free. And when I, when I brought it on, Family Ties was on. Does anyone remember Family Ties? Yeah, you're dating yourself right now. Uh, Family Ties, great show from the 80s. Uh, Michael J. Fox, he, that's where he came to stardom and then brought us back to the future. And, uh, and in this show, there, there's a scene uh, between the dad and one of his daughters. They're, they're having this moment. The daughter's kind of gone through an issue. And uh, the dad says this line to her, you are my top priority. I will do whatever it takes to protect you and this family. They embrace, they hug, there's, there's soft music playing in the background to create all, all the feels. Uh, how many of you, uh, like me, grew up in the 90s and the greatest moment of the week was Friday in TGIF? Does anyone remember TGIF? Yeah. TJF stood for Thank Goodness It's Friday and all these shows that were there, Family Matters and and Step by Step and Full House, but all those shows telling you uh, this is what a good family is. We protect the family. We guard the family. We do whatever it takes for the family. But listen to how it shifted. Uh, Actress Glenn Close was receiving an acceptance award for a film that she'd done in 2019. And when she got up to receive the word, this is what she said, a rough paraphrase. Uh, speaking to the women. Women, we have our children. We have our partners. If we're lucky enough, we have those. But, but we women have to find personal fulfillment. We have to follow our dreams. Guess what? Standing ovation. Now, I bring this up to show how we have shifted culturally to a hyper-individualistic culture focused on self-fulfillment as ultimate. Last night, Rachel and I went out for dinner uh, in downtown Winter Park. You will find a a store there. I just noticed Loving Thyself Rocks. That's the name of the store, Loving Thyself Rocks. But see, if the way to righteousness is grounded in social consensus... We will find the target keeps shifting and it exposes that with enough support, we could be in some very dangerous places. The American slave trade didn't just happen. Nazism and communism didn't just happen. 
So cultural righteousness is always shifting. Second, it is short-sighted. What do I mean? Much of cultural righteousness today is centered on doing whatever it takes to make you happy. Happiness is the end goal. But notice what the greatest philosopher who ever lived, Jesus himself said, he doesn't, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for more blessing. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for happiness. He doesn't say that. Happiness, rather, is the byproduct. Uh, happiness is the fruit of pursuing righteousness. Uh, we'll, we'll see later in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus speaks pretty negatively to these religious leaders, the Pharisees, and his issue with them is they're trying to do good simply externally. Uh, how, how do I just do the right thing? But you can't just do the right thing. You have, to, you have to take on a certain character through Jesus to become the kind of person inwardly that does the right thing. This is the way Jesus kind of talks about it later in the sermon. He, he says, can a pear tree bear apples? Now, if you know anything about me, these hands, these hands, these are useless. I have no farming ability at all. But I even know the answer. No, no, it can't bear it. And Jesus says, we have to follow him to solve the ache. We have to let him lead our lives. Let him teach us how to become the kind of person who would will the good as God defines it. To become the kind of person who bears good fruit from the inside out. That we would be transformed by apprenticing our lives under Jesus' care. I recently returned to an old book I love. It's a very, very dense book, but um, like a good wine, it gets better with age. And uh, this is from The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. He says this, to depart from righteousness with God is to choose a life of crushing burdens, failures, and disappointments, a life caught in the toils of the endless problems that are never solved, accepting Christ's invitation is to be part of his company and the way of life. Friends, Jesus invites you and me into a way of life where our hunger and thirst, where our longing, where our ache can truly be satisfied. Jesus lays it out a little later in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus says this morning, if we will listen, if you will surrender your life to me, to my leading, to my coaching, to my guidance, to my direction, I will satisfy your need. And that brings us to our third point. Our promise. Listen to Jesus' incredible promise to you and me in this beatitude. Jesus says this, to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Notice first the certainty of the promise. Jesus doesn't say uh, to those who will hunger and thirst and following my way, hopefully things will work out. Uh, uh, to those who hunger and thirst and let me lead their life, we'll see how it goes. Notice the certainty Jesus says, for those who would be willing to apprentice their life under me to follow me, they will be satisfied. Jesus is emphatic, friends. You can trust him. 
You can follow him. You can surrender your longing and restlessness to him. If you are here and you are overwhelmed by life, if there is an ache within you longing for contentment and peace, Jesus says, those who hunger for God, for his kingdom to pervade their reality, their presence, their calendar, for his righteousness to guide you and lead you on this journey of life. These people who receive Jesus's invitation, yes, they, though they don't look like it, they will be satisfied. That's certainty. But notice also he gives us the conditions for the promise. How are we satisfied? What are the conditions? The first is you are searching. Um, I don't know if you're like me, and I, I confess this today. Sometimes I skip breakfast. Anybody do intermittent fasting? Okay. Um, I, I skip breakfast. So I'll come to lunch sometimes, and I'm very, very hungry. And I'll have a lunch appointment with somebody, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to pay attention uh, while we're talking, but I'm looking over their shoulder. Uh, is that the tray? Um, is, that, is that our food coming? And I'm searching, I'm scanning all the, the waiters and waitresses, it, it, where, where's our food? And then, and then it looks like it's coming, but then, you, you know, even as I'm trying to pay attention, you, you can't acknowledge that you've been searching. So the food comes in, you go, oh, I guess, I guess the food's here. <laughs> Friends, we are all searching and looking for something. All of us, every person here. We are all hungry. The question is, where have you been searching? But it has only brought more insecurity, more anxiety, more frustration, more disappointment. Where have you been searching and it, you've only found more emptiness? Thomas Merton was a great author uh, from the last century, and he put it this way. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the, the wrong wall. I thought that was a great line. So the first condition is getting the satisfied life is that we have to acknowledge that we are searching. You are looking but this morning to recognize that we've been looking in the wrong places. We've been looking at the wrong stuff. That we've put our core trust in something to be God for us other than God. We've, we've, we've asked something else in our life to be our savior, to solve the ache, and it's not working. So we ask the first step. Are you searching? Where is the ladder leaning against the wrong wall? The second condition for the satisfied life is asking. Asking. When we cry out to Jesus and we ask him to deliver us, that, that, that we come to the end of the kingdom of self and we enter into the work of the kingdom of God in our lives, that we confess, Lord, I've made something else a priority, something else to solve the ache, and it is not working, and I am asking you to deliver me. Uh, that, that we get to this place where we acknowledge our need to Jesus. 
Um, Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's one of the most common stories that you'll see in the Gospels. And, and, and Jesus, after he feeds them, he, he goes across to the other sea. And the, the people that he feeds, you can tell by the story, they're stuffed. I mean, they're, they're full to the brim, but they know what? That uh, that's going to wear off. And so they, they chase Jesus across the sea saying, hey, can we get some more of that bread you're giving out? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be empty here in a little bit. Can I get some more of what you're offering? But Jesus tells them, don't hunger for that food. Don't hunger for food that's left out will eventually mold and decay. Except apparently a McDonald's hamburger, which never molds and decays. Hunger for the food that will provide eternal life now and into eternity. But notice the crowd's response to these words by Jesus. This is what they say in John 6. They said to him, sir, give us this bread you're talking about. Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the second condition to finding the satisfied life. It's asking God to give you Jesus. Asking God to give you the bread of life. Asking God to give you what will satisfy. God, give me the bread of life that won't become stale. God, give me the bread of life that won't leave me empty. God, give me the cup that won't leave me thirsty. I mean, this is what we see with the, the woman at the well in John 4. She, Jesus is explaining the same reality to her that uh, if you would come to me, if you, you, I will give you water. She's, she says, sir, can I please have this water? Whatever it is you're offering, that's what I want. So the conditions for the promise are searching, asking, and finally listening. Listening to God as he calls you to himself in Jesus. Uh, Listening like the prodigal who wandered off, longing to live life in self-sufficiency, longing to live life in their own strength. But now like the prodigal, you are tired and defeated Like the prodigal, you are overwhelmed by life and you are ready to come home. This is where we listen to the voice of God that beckons us not out of judgment, but out of love. That like the prodigal father who sat on his porch looking off in the distance every day, every day, will they come home? Is this the day? Is this the day? That there is a father who is ready to meet your longing and your ache. That there is a father who has prepared a table in his presence with everything you need. And he is ready to satisfy you in Jesus. This is God's invitation to you this morning, if we will listen. It comes from Isaiah 55. He says, come, come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and climb your ear and come to me. Hear, 
here, listen, that your soul may live. May live. God invites us, friends, this morning into a different reality, out of the same old, same old, and into a life where he meets you and your restlessness and the only place that it can be found with himself. St. Augustine put it this way, you may know this, but reminding you again, his confession. God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. You have put eternity in our hearts and there is a longing. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Until they rest in you. Friends, Jesus invites all who are hungry, all who are thirsty to come to him today. He knows you've been searching. He knows you've been looking. He knows that you are longing. And this morning, he promises to provide. Um, As we come to the table for communion this morning, would you ask like that first century crowd, Jesus, give us this bread always. Like the woman at the well, Jesus, give me please this water. And listen to Jesus as he promises in the gospel, in his grace, in his love, he will supply. Let's pray. Our great father, we come to this table again. And today, may we come as people who acknowledge our hunger and our thirst. As people who are aware of our need. And as people by your spirit who are tired of the same old, same old. So meet us. Transform us. That we could point to a better world. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.